Is the music actually playing when you walk no down music. the hallway, or is that just all in like production? Literally, the the sound, of the <laughs> beat of your own heart about to explode out of your chest. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. What's it like to walk that long hallway with the intimidating music, diving headfirst into a pool of hungry millionaire investors, hoping quietly that you don't forget any of the details of your pitch? What's it like to be on ABC's Shark Tank? My dear friend Kate Field knows, and she's going to spill the tea on the whole experience. I've had a shark on the show, the incomparable Barbara Corcoran, but now it's time we hear about the experience from a business owner's perspective. Kate Fields pitched her business, the kombucha shop, in the tank. The prep was intense, but Kate told me she could talk for days about the research and number crunching that went into her pitch for Shark Tank and why that process is helpful for any business owner, not just one looking to impress Mr. Wonderful. Kate ended up landing a deal with Sarah Blakely and Barbara Corcoran, and I was so bummed because watching her pitch on the show, knowing she's a fellow Midwest girl, almost the same exact age as me, I wanted to invest in her. I was so enamored by her magnetic personality and her precision with things like branding and product. We actually became customers and huge fans. And I actually slid into the DMs of her account on Instagram. I said, Kate, I'm so bummed that you got a deal. I would invest in you. You're incredible. And that actually started a friendship. Kate and Cameron have come to Duluth a few times and we love hanging out with them. It's so incredible to just be with another couple who just gets it. They understand this weird entrepreneurial life. And I'm so, so excited to have Kate share the full story on the podcast today. Are you ready? Here's my friend, Kate. Okay, so I have a funny story about Kate and I before I even welcome her to the show. I mean, I guess welcome to the show, Kate. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Jenna. So have you guys ever slid into someone's DM and you're like, okay, I wonder what's going to happen with this? Because I slid into Kate's DM and I didn't realize someone on her team was answering them, which was amazing. (laughs) But months later, Kate reaches out and she's like, oh my gosh, we have so much in common. Like, how have we never met before? And later that week, we got coffee for the first time. I think our husbands fell in love. But even more than that, we kind of created this like lifelong friendship sitting in a coffee shop, hanging out and talking about life and business. Wasn't it kind of like Harry Met Sally? Oh my gosh, so much. I love how we f- we emerged at like 5 p.m. <laughs> All of us were like, I think we should go now. We've we ate for like hours. three meals yeah. at the coffee shop. <laughs> yep. Oh, incredible. So we're going to talk about all different kinds of things. I am a beloved customer of your product and also a spectator of you being on Shark Tank. But why don't we back up before all of those things and kind of hear about what you do and who you are and kind of how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So 
I think my story is probably like so many other entrepreneurs out there where I would have never thought I would own a company one day. I started out in college, like so many people searching for what is my passion? What do I want to do in life? And I was really into politics. So this was, you know, circa 2008, the Obama exciting years. And I was just passionate about everything involving the environment and things like that. And so after college, I moved out to Washington, D.C., and I was working for a think tank out there. And I really loved my work, and I met so many great friends. But I was looking to the future and sort of thinking, who do I want to be in 10 or 20 years? And I was looking at my bosses and my mentors, and I just couldn't really find anybody that I thought was really lit up and living in a way that they felt good about. You know, they were working 80 hours a week, they were getting so much of their kind of self worth and value from the power and work that they felt they were doing. But they seemed kind of, you know, that sensation of just like not feeling really good about what you're doing every day. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought maybe this isn't actually what I want to do. And like so many people at that age, you're, you're figuring it out. And so classic out of college, I moved to <laughs> an organic farm up in the Catskills of upstate New York. And I worked as a farm apprentice for six months. Something I was really passionate about was local food, organic food, sort of nourishing your body from the inside out. It's been something throughout college. I was always involved in healthy food programs and things like that. So I did everything. I milked a cow named Sierra every morning. I butchered chickens and tended to the vegetables. And I felt there that I had found something, something that really lit me up inside. And... But then the question was, well, how do I make money at this? How is this going to actually be a career? <laughs> I left the farm at the end of the season. I moved back to D.C. And that was when I decided to move into the nonprofit world. And I took all these skills I had learned at the farm, cooking and growing food and things like that. And I found a job at the Capital Area Food Bank, this wonderful organization where we served over 400,000 clients who were food insecure in the D.C. metro region. And I had the incredible, wonderful responsibility of working with my clients and teaching them how to eat healthy food, cook from scratch on a budget. Because so many of my clients, you know, they're working two or three jobs and didn't have a lot of time to be cooking a meal for their family, especially in a way that like didn't take a long time and was easy. And so we were in the kitchen every day together and we were making recipes and I did that for two or three years. And it was during kind of late in my time there when I discovered kombucha, <laughs> this funky beverage <laughs> that just everybody loves, loves to love or loves to hate and make memes. Did you see that meme, the TikTok one with kombucha girl? Yes. <laughs> Here. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So... I, like everybody else, was just enthralled with like, what is this funky drink? It's sweet. It's sour. It's bubbly. I like it. I hate it. I can't quite figure out. But like <laughs> so many people, you know, the more you drink it, the more you're just like, oh my gosh, I crave this. But working at a nonprofit, didn't have a big budget myself at all. And so paying three to five bucks a bottle at the store was definitely getting a little tight on the monthly income. So I set out to learn how to brew kombucha and a bunch of my girlfriends who also worked at the food bank with me were brewing. And a kind of a light bulb moment went off one day when 
I realized that I had been spending a few years at the food bank, essentially developing this weird skill set that was taking something (laughs) that seems intimidating, right? Cooking from scratch or trying to shop for and buy healthy ingredients on a budget and making it approachable, easy, fun. And there's not a lot of other things to do with that skill set. And so one day I thought, well, what if I could do that for kombucha? What if I could teach other people how to make kombucha? Because brewing it, the idea of brewing it was and is still really intimidating for some people. I don't know if you've seen a SCOBY. Mm -hmm. It's not the prettiest thing. Yes, we have them in our pantry. Brewing all the time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it can be an intimidating thing. And I thought, well, okay, I'm really good at making recipes that are stripped down and super simple and designed for somebody who has no experience in this activity. And of course, like if you've never brewed kombucha before, you're not going to have a background in like yeast and bacteria or like what to do with it. So it became this perfect, like, wow, I actually could be really great at this. And that was the kind of the birthplace of it. Uh, That was back in 2013. So walk me through. You have this idea. Did you go to the marketplace and like see, is anyone doing this? Are there kits available? How are people learning this? Because I think a lot of times our first thing is to go to Google and check it out. What did you find? Oh, yeah. So I go to Google and I didn't even know what to call it, right? So I was like, it's a kombucha maker. It's like how to make kombucha. And so I start Googling around and a few different kits popped up. And I was like, well, that's an interesting idea. Like you could just put everything in the kit, but I couldn't find anything that jumped out to me. All the branding was pretty old school. So like everybody I knew that was drinking kombucha was 25 hip living in cities, And it seemed like they were marketing towards the older kind of hippie kombucha brewer who probably started like back in the 60s making kombucha. And so I saw instantly this gap in the market where there wasn't a product out there really speaking to people our age and kind of this new generation of kombucha fans. So that was my first thought was, all right, well, I'm already going to be able to brand and market this. It had been something I had been into for a very long time. It was just sort of the aesthetics and the creative side of branding. And so I thought, well, that can be something. And then I started kind of, I would buy the kits. So a great thing, obviously, when you're thinking about entering any business that you want to disrupt or become just, you know, an additional presence in was you got to try them out. So I ordered all of my competitors kits and one by one, I just, just like, oh my gosh, I could do this better. I could do that better. My instructions are going to be so much more clear than these. And so It was kind of, I hit the ground running pretty fast after that. It was from kind of idea inception to creation was maybe four or five months before I launched my Squarespace site. Wow. Okay. So walk me through those early days because a lot of times, like I'm just like you, once I have an idea and I'm like all in on it, I am an action taker. Like I just get it done. So were you like bootstrapping this? Was this your side hustle? Like how were you making this all work? Yeah. So I totally bootstrapped it. I had very little money when, which I kind of feel like it's a great, one of the Mm -hmm. great times to start a business. People always think like, I need more money. I need more time. And they put it off and put it off where I kind of felt like, well, I've got nothing to lose. Like I literally had a thousand dollars to my name and, and I was paying rent. I was working 
you know, jobs bartending at night, trying to pay on my school loans. So it was not necessarily opportune, but kind of when your back's against the wall, it gives you that Mm -hmm. extra push of like, all right, it's kind of now or never. And so I took $800, basically like literally almost everything I had at the time. And I bought my first initial supplies to put the kits together. It was really hilarious. When we first started, (laughs) I called my instructions a toolkit and they were, it was like a 30 page booklet. I, w- I went way over the top and it cost me like 250 to print them each because I couldn't afford to buy more. And so oh the initial cost of the kits was just astronomical. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just bought all of the initial supplies to put together my first 25 kits and I built a little website on Squarespace. I had no background in it, but things like Squarespace and Shopify, like they really lay it out there to where if you're completely new at this, you can build something like reasonably attractive with the platforms that they have. So I spent a week kind of putting together what I thought would look good. And I built my first 25 kits and I sent an email out to family and friends. And I said, hey, um, I'm launching this new company. I would love your support. And it's amazing what your community will do yeah. to support you if you put yourself out there. Like people want to see you succeed who are in your corner. So, of course, you know, tons of people bought them. And I thought, all right, if I could sell the first 25 of these and I'll take the money I made from those 25 and I'll buy up enough to make 100 kits. And then I'll buy enough to make 500 kits. And literally, it just grew from that place. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. When I was starting my journey with online courses nearly a decade ago, I needed a platform that could keep up with my dreams and support my vision and Kajabi came to the rescue. I've been a paying customer of Kajabi for years upon years. They are the only platform I use, trust, and recommend for online course creators. Kajabi is the ultimate one-stop shop that empowers you to build a thriving online business and generate predictable recurring revenue. Whether you're creating online courses, exclusive membership sites, or hosting subscription podcasts, Kajabi has got you covered. Kajabi will handle your transactions without taking a single penny of your money. 
That's right. You get to keep 100% of what you earn. Plus you get powerful analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates. The cool thing is too, you don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. It's all about leveraging the right tools and strategies to grow your business. And Kajabi makes that possible. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial if you go to kajabi.com slash Jenna. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash Jenna. Head to kajabi.com slash Jenna and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Do you remember what it was like getting your first sale that was a stranger, like someone you don't know? And you're like, wait, how did they find me? They're buying this. This is like, it's real. Yeah. I will never forget it. It was, it is, it's like one of those moments where you just go, oh my gosh, like somebody bought this. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) bought the product that I made. It never got old. The first like six months, it was the most incredible feeling. So, and I mean, to be honest, it still is. Yeah. It really is. It's like, wow, people appreciate the value of something I created and are willing to give me their hard-earned money for it. It's something that never gets older that I think light of. Yeah. Okay. So let's fast forward a bit. You get contacted by Shark Tank. Yes. Tell me about what happened and what you thought, and let's walk through this process together. Yeah. So, okay. It's early winter 2018. And I get an email from a guy claiming he's a producer at Shark Tank. And I instantly think that it's a scam. (laughs) I feel like most people would. Like, I had been watching Shark Tank for years. And I had loved watching it. And I never thought I would have the guts to ever go on it. But let alone like somebody from Shark Tank is going to email me. So I just deleted it. And a few (laughs) days later... (laughs) A few days later, the guy follows up and he says... Hey, Kate, like, really, I would love to talk to you about applying to come on the show. And I remember Cameron was in the kitchen and I turned to him and I said, do you think there's a possibility that Shark Tank would actually be reaching out to me? And it's so good to have people around you that see you for you and like not all the stuff that you kind of doubt about your own abilities and like your own success. And he was just like, of course, Kate, you've built an awesome company. (laughs) And I was like, oh, you're right. I need to like really remember and believe that. So I emailed him back. And I, of course, I IMDb'd him first to make sure he was like a real person. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. Turns out he was a producer on Shark Tank. So we ended up talking and he basically went over the whole process and he said, look, you've got a really cool brand. You've built a unique product. We think your story's awesome. We'd love to have you apply. So I him and Hod for like two months because I'm terrible at making decisions. And yeah. then finally, I was like, you know what? Let's try it. All it was was an audition video. Like I wasn't necessarily even on the show. So I put together an audition video and they loved it. And they they took me on as a finalist. So that was April of 2018. And that basically kind of started the clock. And we had from that point forward about 60 days to prep for pitching to the Sharks. And every week they are like, hey, this is no guarantees you're even going to be here next week. You might be off the island. Just take this week by week and do your best. Let's see. It's now a few weeks before going out there. And at this point, I had prepped like crazy. 
I went so over the top, but it. How do you even prepare for something like yeah. this? Like, what did that look so, like? So a lot of Excel spreadsheets. So I, I formed like a little team that was like my Shark Tank team of okay, if I'm going to take something on like this, going on national television, I'm going to make sure that I am as prepared as humanly possible because I didn't want to make a fool of myself. You know, it's a yeah. very real possibility going on the show. But I knew if I put the work in, you know, there's no reason I shouldn't go into their confidence. So I had my little Shark Tank team and we watched between myself and my friend Marla and my husband and Marla's intern watched hundreds of episodes of Shark Tank. And we built out an Excel spreadsheet that basically cataloged like all of the major points of like, you know, what are the big questions they ask, right? What are the most common things? What are the answers that when they hear, they shut down and they say, nope, I'm out. So kind of looking for those triggers and also really learning the sharks themselves. Like they are all very unique and different in what they look for in their entrepreneurs and in the businesses they're looking to invest in. So that was fun. That kind of research is crazy. Like, I think right now I'm like thinking, okay, I'm 31 years old. When is the last time that I've like done research like that on anything? (laughs) I mean, it's been over a decade and you have to kind of almost just anticipate like, what could this look like? What could they ask me? What could be like the deciding factor? Like all of these things, like, was that overwhelming? Was it exhilarating? Was it exhausting? Like, what was that? Yeah, it was. It was. At that time, it was exhilarating. It was just something totally different. You know, for other business owners out there, after a while in your business, like you get to know it pretty well. And it it's not as exciting as those early days where it's constantly every day is a hustle and you're figuring it out as you go. Those days, hopefully, are in the rearview mirror after a while. And so this was like this new, fun, exciting unknown of like, how's Kate going to do this? How is she going to perform? So Once we had the spreadsheets and I had practiced, I developed flashcards, really old school. It was like I was back in elementary and studying for vocab and would just practice on my flashcards. They'd have a question on one side and the answer on the back. And a few weeks before we flew out to LA for the taping, I started having little practice panels and I would assign my friends different shark characters. And we got really serious about it. It was a total dress rehearsal. I would be like in my outfit. We'd have the table. They'd all be sitting in their chairs just waiting to grill me. And they would ask their questions. And we did a few practice panels. And they were hilarious. Like my friends got very into this. (laughs) It was it was Like good friends should. (laughs) Yeah. Like at some points I was like, all right, Kevin, like stop yelling at me. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh Um, i'm like picturing like new girl like with all like the friends sitting there just really owning it like i you have good friends in your life to do this yeah i really do and it was fun you know so then we get out to la and it starts to get real i'm pitching kind of doing the final pitches to the executive producers and they're still at this point, like, we could send you home tomorrow. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. So it's it like was The really Bachelor. Stressful. It's like you're on The Bachelor. It is. <laughs> and that is, it, it is. And really reminds you, like, all right, this is a reality show. I have to remember yeah. that. They care about this being entertaining. But luckily, it all went off well. And then I went into the tank. 
Okay, so let's talk about this. Is the music actually playing when you walk down that hallway or is that all in post-production? No music. Just <laughs> like it. literally the sound of the beat of your own heart about to explode <laughs> out of your chest. Okay, what was the energy like when you step up and you like get in there? Like, because I'm assuming too, it's so funny when you watch a show, it's like each pitch is like seven, eight minutes. And, you know, you forget that there's cameras and lights and like, you know, start, stop, start, stop stop like what was it all like like just being in the tank yeah it is uh, it's really hard to describe it's as terrifying as you can imagine (laughs) just because yeah the lights are so big and they're like right there in front of you once you walk out there and they don't tell you this but when you walk out you actually have to stand there for a full minute as they just standing in front of the sharks totally silent them looking at you (laughs) you looking at them as they just all the lighting and the sound and make sure everything's like good before then they like yell action um and i luckily i had heard a podcast barbara who'd been on your show a few weeks ago yeah she had been on another podcast and had talked about how that minute she sizes up her entrepreneurs and she can really tell like who's going to do a good job and who's not between like if they could look her in the eye while standing for that minute. I know. I was like, (laughs) if I do anything in this minute, just don't lose eye contact. Just don't look at the floor. So I just stood there and I smiled at them and tried not to pit out. (laughs) Um, But actually, I had practiced my pitch. I mean, probably just short of like a thousand times. I would say that thing in my sleep. I was super confident I was going to do well. And so I went through the pitch. Hilariously, I have really bad luck sometimes. (laughs) Okay. You'll not believe this. I'm halfway through my pitch and Mark Cuban sneezes. And I look at the sharks. They look at me. I look over at the producers and I'm like, are we going to cut and and restart? And he just says something funny. And I'm like, OK, I'm just going to keep going. So I am hoping that they'll just be able to edit. So I get through the rest of the pitch. And luckily, they were able to chop it and get it out. But I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> I've this 1000 times. And Mark just messed the whole thing up. So luckily, no, we got through it and then just had like a really good time. Like it was so fun. They were laughing from kind of the beginning. It was a lighthearted, good time in there overall. Okay, so walk me through what it's like once they start asking questions, because especially when it comes to numbers, to me, I feel like my head would be spinning no matter how many times I practice the flashcards, no matter how much I totally knew about my company. I feel like there's so many different terminologies and percentages and cost per acquisition and all of these things. Like, how did you do through that part of it? Because I know we only see a tiny bit of it on TV. Right. Yeah. So the actual time I was in the tank was probably around. 40 minutes so a lot gets left on the cutting room floor and luckily the editors definitely took a nice story arc with it (laughs) and it came off great i definitely flubbed answers in there i remember kevin asked me you know what makes your kit better than your competitors out there and like i'd rehearse like you said this a thousand times i'd rehearsed it so many times the answer to that question you know we're organic like i go through all of these great answers and But when he asked me it, I blanked. I froze. And I was just like, um, uh, it's made in Wisconsin. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, oh. it was hilarious. And so very grateful to this day that didn't make it in. But yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's tough. I, uh, I think what it was, it was truly knowing my numbers from a deeper place than just the stats or like the data, yeah. if that makes sense. So like yeah. I had spent many months deep in the financials of the company, you know, looking at the trailing 12 month specifically is really important because yes, like the previous years of your business, they care about because they want to know yeah. like, how's the longevity of this? How's the company done over time? But really when it comes to investors, they care about the trailing 12 month. And so I had to know, of course, what's our revenue? What's our cost of goods? So the cost yeah. of, that of the product or the service that I'm providing, how much in its totality really does that cost to provide? And then that number gets you to your gross profit, right? So what am I making yeah. after all of the cost of goods is taken out? And once I had that number, a lot of that is it's easier to explain to them of like, here's really the cost of doing business in my company. And you just have to know the numbers deeper than just like, I guess, sort of reciting them or yeah, trying to memorize them. Because when they ask those kind of more nuanced questions of like, yeah. okay, so if this is your cost of goods, well, how much are you spending on advertising? How much are you spending on marketing? And you have to just actually know like, well, it's a, you know, it's going to be about 10%. Our cost of acquisition is roughly $25 a person. It really is just spending time making sure you're getting those documents from your accountants every month that you kind of train yourself to think in these numbers, if that makes sense. Totally. And it's so funny because I'm just smiling as you say this because I remember my early days as an entrepreneur and come tax time, I was sitting there with spreadsheets. I was looking, okay, where have I traveled? What is my mileage? <laughs> I did not have my ish together at no. all. And it was just wild because if anyone would have asked me any of those things, I would have been like, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, like, yeah. And I think too, for so many entrepreneurs, especially in those early early days, the thought of hiring someone to handle the numbers is terrifying. It's almost like you're opening up your closet and being like, come on in and look at everything that's going on. And I love the prep that you did for this because not only was it amazing for Shark Tank, but it also was just amazing as a CEO. And it's like, how many entrepreneurs out there really look at themselves as a CEO? Mm -hmm. You know, like we don't think that. We just think, oh, I just run this little small thing mm -hmm. or I run this side hustle. And it's like, no, there's so much power in numbers. Walk me through kind of just how it felt like when you have this confidence and you can answer these questions, because I think we could all take a page from your book <laughs> and spend some time digging into those things so that we can feel sound in what we're doing, what we're doing day in and day out and what those numbers are reflecting and teaching us. Yeah, I 100% agree. The way I run my company post Shark Tank is totally different than beforehand. Yeah. Because I spent so many months really thinking about the numbers. And what I mean by that is like, you might think a product that you launch or a new service that you're doing is bringing in a lot of money, like maybe your revenues up, or it's just a passion project within the business that it's something you like to do, or it's a product you really like, and you think your customers are like, but when you get down to it, like, what is that product really costing you? How much time is it costing? It allows you to think about the totality of each part of your business and see like, 
really, where is your bread and butter coming from? Where are you making the majority yeah. of your money? And then balancing that with like, what's taking the least amount of effort. And when you can really figure that out, it helps you cut the fat. It helps you trim out those things that might be time or money sucks, but maybe you've just held yeah. on to for too long because it's what you've always done or you've always offered it. But it doesn't mean it's necessarily something you have to do moving forward if it's not making sense for your financials. And so yeah, with my business this year, I've just been so much more strategic. Like when you have the data to know, well, these are the trends. Like we're actually making more money in these products over here than we are over here. And just because we've always offered them, it allows you to think two, three years in the future of, well, maybe we should follow this because this is where things are growing. I hope that's helpful. No, that's perfect. I think what's so interesting, you and I are so much alike. I don't know if I've ever met another female entrepreneur that like shares the same brainwaves like you and I do. And I think what's so interesting is we love numbers. Mm -hmm. Like you and I, like we find comfort in numbers. Mm -hmm. Numbers tell us the information that we need to know. Like there isn't a day that I'm not looking at numbers inside of my business because I feel like when you're an entrepreneur, it's so easy to be emotional about what you do, right? Like it is like giving your heart on a platter to customers that you care about and people you want to serve. And like you said, like it never gets old to get paid to do what you love. Like that never fades away. And so for me, it's like, Numbers give me the equations where then my passion can allow me to be that emotional human being that I am. And it's this balance of like figuring out like, what are the numbers telling me? And then where's my passion leading me? And where do those two intersect to create this like business that is doing well and also serving well? And I know for me, like the game changer. And I'm curious if this happened for you too, was instead of trying to do everything at tax time was like (laughs) hiring a bookkeeper and every single month looking, what is our profit? What is our loss? Where are we spending a lot? What is our overhead? What is it costing us to run every day? Where can we cut down on that? Where could we hire more? And I didn't do that. I mean, I waited way too long to hire a bookkeeper. Bookkeepers aren't even that expensive. They're so cheap. They undercharge. Because of the value that they can bring to you, it's amazing how expensive it is. You can find, especially with like virtual accounting now, like you can find a bookkeeper that you may only ever talk to on the phone, but they can know your financials and provide you those reports that are so important for much less than I think people think. And yes, should be doing it sooner because just like you, I think like so many entrepreneurs, like you put off those expenses, that first hire, those, those type of things Mm -hmm. um, longer probably than you should. It does come a little bit at the detriment of your business. So if, if you're out there and you're thinking like, yeah, I really don't have a bookkeeper or an accountant. I've just been doing my own spreadsheet sheets. It's not that it's, it's not that it's not working. I'm sure it is, but there is value in kind of leveling up sooner than you think you're ready or sooner than you think your business maybe needs or deserves because it's laying the foundation for where you want to take the company and can really help accelerate things. I think. Yeah. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. 
A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, yeah. And it's like that expense, like if you had that data month by month, instead of doing it once a year, the expense that you're paying that person to do your books, you will earn it back. And then some Mm -hmm. just by having that data to see, here's where we're tracking, here's where we're trending, here's what's not working, here's what's working. And I just think it's amazing what information you can get. Like, I wish that every entrepreneur listening would do what you did and pretend like you're going into the tank Mm -hmm. and spend some time in those numbers because there's this new confidence that can come alive within you when you know those things about the work you're doing. And it's just, it's amazing. Okay. So I want to know what it was like when your episode aired. So you got a deal, you know, your episode's going to go to air, you have to prepare for potentially and hopefully an influx of orders. You also have to watch yourself on national television. Did you guys do like a viewing party? What was this like? <laughs> yes. So what I am, I do not like putting myself out there. For anybody who tries to go find me on social media, you'll see that really quickly. <laughs> I don't really have a public persona. So me going on national television was like, really scary. But but I love to throw parties. So luckily, I got over my fear of watching this with everybody and threw a huge party downtown. There's probably a hundred of us rented out a big part of a bar and had it up on a projector and we had a great time. But it was crazy. It was totally nuts leading up to the airing. So what ended up happening, they can't really tell you when the episode is going to air without a three-week, it's a three-week warning that you get. That's it. And so because the network can change things around, the studio can. And so they're like, hey, this episode is going to air probably within the next six months. We don't know when, but just get ready. And you're like, okay, thanks. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, so we just started preparing, started scaling up our inventory, getting everything in house as soon as we could. But you have to balance that right with like cash flow and the space that you have. So it's a total guessing game. You're just trying to anticipate. I think this is how this might go. So we're working off that plan, and I get word from a producer that maybe they are thinking it's going to air in February, and this was in early October. So we're like, okay, we've got a few months. We'll get through the holidays and then we'll have the Shark Tank hearing. <laughs> Everything's going great. So it's a few weeks later and I took my team out to do a fall activity. We went apple picking. We like to do a little something before the holiday season sort of kicks in every year because it gets pretty busy. So we're out picking apples and I get a call and it's from Los, it's the Los Angeles area code. And normally... Everything when I was communicating with the Shark Tank folks was via email. So I pick up the phone and it's one of my producers and he says, Kate, the network has changed the air date. You're airing in three weeks. <laughs> so team activity is over. Every, We're going to pack boxes. Yeah, I like <laughs> dropped the apples. It was super dramatic. I was just like, oh my God. So... It ended up being okay. We just scaled up really fast. We brought on help within a few weeks. My friends, my family, everybody rallied. They came in. They were helping pack kits. We had Christmas music playing all the time. Yeah, and it was crazy. We just basically packed as many kits as we could, and then it aired. And the airing went great. The feedback was phenomenal. We had so like, it gave me such renewed faith in the internet. Like people were so yeah. lovely. It was so yeah. wonderful. Like people just poured out love, like was, thank you. You're so inspiring. Like this, it was just really wonderful to see that side of people come out. And it was encouraging because we were working seven days a week, 12 hour days for six weeks straight, just fulfilling wow. orders. They did not stop coming in. Every day we'd come in, <laughs> I'd hit refresh on ship station and it would be a thousand more orders. And our goal every day would just be get it back to zero before we leave and we'll come back and do it tomorrow. And oh it was wild, gosh. but it was a really fun time in the business. Like all of my staff, we all just felt really close and really driven to deliver. Like it was this mountain that we felt like we were climbing together and it was really fun. Oh my gosh. Well, Drew and I, we love Shark Tank. Like we put Coco down to bed and we're like, all right, we're going into the tank. And when I watched your episode, the first thing you talk about is how you're from Wisconsin. I'm like, wait, we lived like 30 minutes from this girl. How did I not know about her? And I just... I fell in love with you, but there was just this like inner confidence just exuding from you. And the whole time I'm watching your pitch, I'm like, please don't get a deal. Please don't get a deal. Please don't get a deal. I want to invest in her. Well, you don't need an investment. Let's be honest. But I was like, how can I work with her? Like, she's amazing. She's got branding. She's got the product. And so that night I'm like, I'm going to be a customer first. And I'm pretty sure I was a customer and slid into your DMs in the same breath. But I was just so enamored by you and the business that you had built. And I'm like, she's a total package. And it's just so cool because Drew and I started brewing right after your episode and we still brew our own kombucha and we now get to use all the different flavors and the fruit that you have. And we've passed on scobies to our family members and now they're brewing. And it's like, it's just so cool to see 
how you took this idea, created this product, and now you're serving thousands of people with something that is fun to do, also saves you a ton of money. But it's like this activity where it's just like, when you think back to like all those years ago, is your mind just blown? Every day. Like it really is. <laughs> Mostly that I did it. Like I think whenever an entrepreneur is starting out, you have to have this mix of like completely pie in the sky, backed up by nothing confidence. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build this company or this product and people are going to love it. And it's based like really in your own <laughs> wild dreams. But it also has to be a confidence that comes from this deeper place of like, I really do have something to offer the world and I have yeah. something to bring to the table and I have my own little take on it or my own twist or whatever I'm going to do to put my stamp on it. And there is value in that. And I think, I still think like it's completely crazy that I've built what I have, but it's something I never lose gratitude for. And it just makes me so excited for the future. Like that has been something where it's like where this business could go, where other businesses, you know, I have up my... Should we let people in on our secret? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, just that we like when Kate and I sit down and talk and we dream about our future, it's like giving other people that same experience that she had, that opportunity to share your idea and have an investor and have people that have gone before you. It's like we, if we could dream and have a crystal ball and have Kate and I sitting in a board, well, no, not a board. I mean, we want to be somewhere we'll be in our, in our sitting in a log cabin <laughs> uh, and just hanging out and getting to be able to pour into other women owned businesses. Dang. Yeah. Like, that's I hope dream. that that's in our future because I think there's just something so incredible when you've built something beyond your wildest dreams and you've had these experiences that you couldn't even fathom. And now you have this opportunity to like give back and help others and like open the door for other people. Yeah. Dang. Isn't that's that what coolest? really excites me. And, and it goes back to like, that's what lit me up early in my career. And you know, I was spending time with my clients and trying to find a way to, you know, help somebody along in their path. And when I think about other female entrepreneurs, like I want to make their path easier. Like it's anybody, male or female, who starts a business, like it's going to be one of the hardest things you do in your life, right? But if there are resources out there that can help make that process just go a little smoother or a little faster or not take so much out of you, I want to be able to do that because you do learn a lot along the way. And to be honest, like it's a lot of men along that path yeah. that it's, it's been very yeah. rare to find women in this journey. And so I feel like the more we can create and the more we can put out there, it's only going to benefit future female founders down the road. Mm, I love it. Where can everybody find you, connect with your business that you've built, become a kombucha brewer? Give me all the spots that they can connect with you online. Totally. So as Jenna did, slide into our DMs. <laughs> totally happy um, to talk with you all. And honestly, I'm an open book. I love talking with people, talking about business ideas. And so email me at kate at the kombucha shop.com. And obviously check out our website and you can contact us on there as well. 
Amazing. And you are giving Gold Diggers 20% off their order using the code Gold Digger at the kombuchashop.com. And I highly recommend getting a kit. It is so much fun. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm constantly like, babe, babe, are you going to brew? When's it coming? <laughs> We're running He's out. We're now. I love <laughs> it. It is. And he makes all different kinds. And it's also kind of hilarious because my mom calls it kumbacha. So, mom, if you're listening, it's it's kombucha. <laughs> right. I own the company and my mom still calls it kombucha. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Oh, I love it. Well, I hope that you gold diggers get to see more of me and Kate together. And we're just out here manifesting our wildest dreams. The conversations that we have over coffee that turns into wine, that turns into pizza, that turns into all of the things that we do when we're together. But Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. It is so inspiring. And from the moment I met you on Shark Tank while you were on my TV, I knew we'd be friends. Likewise. And thank you, Jenna. It's been so fun. So what do you guys think? Would you want to go on Shark Tank? Would you be willing to do all of that prep work and deep diving into all the numbers? I often think like, would I be prepared if I ran into Mark Cuban today and he asked me those questions? Probably not. I love hearing about how Kate took that so seriously and how she studied morning, noon and night and how we could all benefit as business owners and entrepreneurs to have a better understanding of all of the numbers, the numbers that tell us what's working and what's not working and the numbers that frankly sometimes feel overwhelming. What an amazing conversation with a very dear friend. And after the show, she reminded me that she wanted to give you guys 20% off your order. If you want to brew your own kombucha or you want to see exactly what Kate has created, you can head to the link in our show notes from today's episode, which you can easily find at Gold Digger Podcast and use the code Gold Digger to save 20% off of your order. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals and maybe someday we'll meet in the tank. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. 
Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.